Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland, and I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Whenever the two of us get together, it's a non-stop conversation, and that's what we want to share with you our love of horses, and our fascination with training. So, Dominique, we've, we've, we've been having busy summers. I've been traveling a lot. I shared with you my uh, visit to Anya Barron's beautiful training center and the visit with the cow. And I think you saw the, a video of Snickers. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. Michaela put up uh, a short video of the cow and... I, it was, I loved looking at it. It was such a joyful cow. You don't see that. You see joyful calves, but to see a cow like that, I don't think I've ever seen such a such joy in a, in a cow. Well, I'm not around cows very much, so I don't know. But Snickers certainly, when we were out, she was she was like a calf. She was just romping around at that field, and she was really interested in Michaela's camera. She kept going up to Michaela and sort of sniffing at the camera, jumping back. Yeah, she's very connected. What you see a lot, I suppose, when they're in the field is that they're very indifferent. Is that a word in English? Yes, it is. Uh, but this cow was not indifferent. She was very connected. She wanted to play. Of course, she's big. <laughs> she's a huge animal. The challenge is to make sure that this enthusiasm always is safe around people and that it's under uh, you know some kind of stimulus control some kind of cue and that it's well balanced with uh, calm behaviors you know it reminds me when i started years and years ago when i started with woody i used to do in the beginning all these fun things run around with him at liberty with me and i asked you Am I putting myself in danger? Because I kind of felt that it was not under my control, everything, you know? Right. And you said, yes, you are putting yourself in danger. And I started for months after that doing everything at a walk. I wouldn't run anymore. Um, I would do everything in a calmer setup. And I knew that I could injected back the you know the energy but it felt as a very important feedback that I got from you when I asked you I don't know if you remember this so does it feel safer now oh yeah yeah Yeah. and I still I would say that I still do 75 percent of my work with him is still calm work because it's very easy for me to have a horse that is happy to be running with me. That's like the natural thing he will do. So I, I'm very careful about it. You always tell us for everything you teach, for every exercise you teach, there's an opposite exercise you should teach to keep things, keep in, things balance. in balance. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and in this case, I would say that I teach more of the calmer exercises than the more energetic exercises. Uh, behaviors at this point anyway. I think that tends to be the case with horses that the emphasis because they are so big the emphasis needs to be on 
can you also be calm and settled? And it's not that we want dull horses that don't want to move. I love the energy. I love the enthusiasm. But I don't love an animal that has become frustrated because all that energy is coming at the human in a way that the human doesn't know how to deal with. And then it starts to feel frightening, scary, out of control. And then you're not sure what to reinforce. And there's a lot of inconsistency that comes in because now the the person is feeling worried and, and you start doing desperation clicks and Oh, oh, and it's, yeah. it's, it's no good. It's interesting because right now I have three of the baby goats that were that I raised last spring. They're back with me for the for the summer. They are such a hoot to train in part because you can because they're little. You can allow for a lot of energy. I have a obstacle course set up in the side barnyard and they're just planks of wood that are elevated to different heights. And there are times where we race from one end of, of the planks to the other and they leap across the, the gap from one set of boards to another and then we come to a screeching halt and we practice waiting and staying and can you stay really quietly and then I send them to a target where they're learning to go out and they race over to the target and they spin around and they come back to their platform and then it's more can you be still can you show me quiet can you stay and that balance of teaching them the calm behaviors, can you just stay, makes them, for me, a much more enjoyable animal to be around. Because oh, yeah. if I just focused on go, 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 yeah, it's fun to watch. And they love it. But it becomes, starts to become frenetic. And then when you do want to cuddle and just have a quiet moment, you have an animal that doesn't know how to do that. There's oh no no I must I must run I must leap I must I must bound from one obstacle to another, and instead we practice a lot of just stay quietly. So I was out at Ken Ramirez's ranch for one of his courses, and I shared that experience in the previous podcast, and 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 we also talked with Ken in the recent webinar, and I loved what I loved what he shared in the webinar on husbandry behaviors and the importance of really building that systematically over a long period of time. That if you want an animal that is really good for medical care, for routine health care, health exams, whatever those, those handling needs are, you don't leave it to chance. You spend time each and every day working on that. And with these goats, there's one section of their obstacle course that's more elevated than the other. And we spend time every day with them just in that part because it's easy for me to reach them. I'm getting them so that they're accustomed to and enjoying all kinds of different ways of being handled. And it's so important. Yeah, and that was, for me, that was, um, I thought that was really interesting in the webinar where he said, that we should make it slightly different every yes. time so yes. that they get used to all kinds of ways to be touched, places to be touched, all kinds of tastes. You know, because I was asking about giving our horses dewarming and preparing for that. 
You know, if all you give is always apple juice in a syringe and then the one day you give the warmer, well, there's a big difference. They're used to, and probably just even the scent of it will will turn them off and they'll know that it's a different trial this time. Right. Whereas if you, because he was saying, you know, he would change the taste a little bit and sometimes would put a little bit of the yiki, the aki stuff in the, yep. in the syringe. And, and same, when you touch them, you can touch them softly, fir- more firmly. You can poke sometimes. And so the fact that it's always different yes. really helps when the time comes because it's just another difference today from the all the different exercises we've done in the past month. And I thought it was really liberating because you know, he said the mistake that people make is trying to simulate the actual procedure. But you can't because for two reasons. One is everybody's touch, everybody's handling is slightly different. Mm-hmm. You don't have the same equipment that a vet has. And most importantly of all, you really don't know what you're preparing for. Mm-hmm. We hope that our animals are going to be healthy. We hope that they're never going to get caught in wire or have a kind of illness that requires them to be hospitalized. You know, we hope for good health for their entire life. But bad things can happen. We don't have a crystal ball to say, well, I need to prepare this horse for having a wound around his fetlock because he's going to get caught up in uh, some wire we didn't know was out there in that field. But this other horse I need to prepare for ultrasound because he's going to have an odd sort of colic where we need to have ultrasounds on him. We We don't have that kind of crystal ball. So this preparing the horse for any and all contingencies by just doing different things just seems to me such a brilliant and simple way of talking about husbandry. And it was interesting during each day during the course, Ken brought out one of his dogs. And this is a dog that he had from the shed aquarium who was part of the show that was at the shed. While Ken was there, they didn't just have the dolphins and the belugas performing. They also had a show that involved dogs and all the dogs that were in that show were adopted from the shelter program and they had some dogs that were brought in through a special program that were very aggressive and this particular dog had a lot of past history of being very very reactive so every day several times a day Ken would in the course of interacting with him in the course of a training session, he was going through various husbandry behaviors. So he would ask for his paw and he'd examine his toes. He would hold him in different ways. He'd let him experience passive restraint. He'd look in his ears. He'd tap him. He'd do something that was related to husbandry, but always it was do it different, Mm -hmm. which also makes it more interesting for us as a handler. Because if I have to do the same, oh, well, now I have to do the husbandry routine, and it's the same husbandry routine that I've done every day for the last 30 days, how boring is that? But if I'm doing something a little different every day, it keeps it more interesting for me, as well as my animal. It was quite brilliant. And, And the goats are certainly thriving with it. And as I say, what I find is that as I focus on these exercises that ask for, can you be still? Can I touch you? Can I touch you in various ways? Can you stand on a mat and just wait? 
can I step back while you stay on your mat, that they are becoming more settled. They're, they're always eager. They're always eager. But they're not anxious eager. They're just excited eager. And there's a real difference. So the more that I weave in and make Can You Show Me Stillness a high priority, the more enjoyable these young animals become and the more I think they enjoy the training. It's really interesting. It's funny because yesterday I went to the barn and I played with my three horses and it struck me how in a few months Pico had changed. Oh, oh tell me. Oh, it was so dramatic. You know, I realized it yesterday. Well, Pico, when I adopted him last fall, he was the kind of horse where you would go in his box, he would push the door open. He would, when you would put his altar on, you would really like lift his head up because he was in a hurry to get out of there. And sure enough, you would just buckle the buckle and he would already be out of the box and barging forward. Yesterday, I mean, I've worked on calm, polite behavior with him a lot. Yes. And he was another horse. Wow. He was not the same horse. You know, we've been working a lot on manners. He always waits for me. First of all, he puts his head in the halter now. He waits for my signal to come out of the box. And yesterday, I didn't even have to... Because what I'll do if he starts to walk too fast, I... Very slight, slightly, I will put two fingers on the rope and right away he slows himself down. But yesterday, I didn't have to do it even once. Wow. He stayed behind me, super calm, all throughout the whole session. And I thought, man, this is, this is amazing how we can transform an animal just working on these calm behaviors. Yes. And it changes everything. I want to go back to one thing you said before, because I didn't want to interrupt, but you talked about when we don't work on calm behaviors and things become very frene frenetic and that sometimes people start doing desperate clicks. Yes. There was a big incident in Montreal here. It was all over the news. There was this pit bull that hurt children very badly. And so just to make it short, there, this pit bull was given to someone because the owner was, was just having a baby. And so she gave the horse to someone bef the dog. in between the time someone else was going to come and get it. And he had a muzzle on. But apparently the muzzle came off and the woman who was sitting him had a few kids and she said, well, he was really nice with the kids, so I didn't put it back on. And she said, but things started going badly at 10 o'clock when we started eating pancakes because he jumped over the four-year-old to get her pancake. And then what do you think the, the other kids do so that the dog wouldn't come after them? They threw him pancakes on the floor. As a defense, like you say, it's, yes. it's desperate reinforcement. Right, right. But, wow, what a message to give to this pit bull. Yes. Good job, pit bull. Keep going. We love it when you jump in our face. That's what happens when you don't control the, the speed or when you do, don't control your session anymore as you start reinforcing things that you don't want. And so the, to prevent this... Working on calm behaviors is really the antidote for this not to happen. And part of working on the calm behaviors, I'm thinking about this in terms of not just 
the three goats that I'm working with, or actually five goats, but or the horses or the animals that I saw out at Ken's ranch, along with that is real paying attention to where you place the food delivery. And they were not quick in getting the food out, that you're mindful of where you put the food, that your hand stays out of the treat pouch. All of those things make a difference. And they keep you from getting into those situations where you're suddenly throwing pancakes at the pit bull. Yeah. And just, you know, I can just picture it. That explains too, I think you hear a lot, sometimes a little bit, it's a little bit esoteric way of saying that horses will mirror our own energy. And yesterday, you know, I was thinking about that coming back from my session with Pico because I thought he was so calm. And then I thought, yeah, but I was really calm too yesterday. But this calmness, this, this inside state is reflected in our own behavior. If we feed calmly, if we cue calmly, if our voice is calm, of course they will mirror our energy. Yes. It's physical behaviors that are that we are doing that are influencing the session. It's not something esoteric or secret. No, it isn't. And it can be learnable things. I don't want to say simple, but learnable things, such as how you say the verbal cues. One of the things that I commented to Ken about was what a pleasure it was to be in his house with his two dogs because he talked to them in full sentences and he talked to them in a calm, friendly voice, which may sound really funny or odd or I'm not sure how people will hear that. But so often I hear dogs being barked at, meaning they're being given commands, sit down that there's an abruptness and they're sort of single words instead of when I'm in the barn with Robin and I need him to back up, I, I, I ask him in a full sentence, could you back up for me, please? And in that kind of a tone, when I'm talking to the horses, I'll often draw out the vowels. So if I want them to stay, mm. there's a drawing out of the vowel, which gives them more time to respond it gives me more time. It slows everything down mm. into a, this is just a nice, calm setting. And when I want them to go up in energy, then the words become quicker and they reflect the energy I want. Yep. But when I want that calmness, when you learn to tone and really draw those vowels out, it becomes reflected in your own body movements. It's like a conductor with a baton. If you're thinking about, I'm going to move my arm as though I were a conductor with a baton, meaning I have a target in my hand, or my hand is the target, and I'm going to move it in the rhythm of that toned word, I'm going to move more slowly. So if I'm saying stay, it's not quite how I would say it, but it's hard to mimic it, not when I have an animal in front of me. It's a different movement in my conductor's baton than if I'm saying stay. Yeah, yeah, and even the number of cues you'll give, I know you say that. We always want to be doing, 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 doing. Yes. But that, that brings energy to the session, right? If you're giving lots of cues... Whereas if you're giving uh, one cue for grown-ups are talking and we're staying there politely on the mat for a few seconds, 
Well, that slows everything down. So there's so many things that will influence the calmness in in that session. Yeah, so the way we deliver the food is certainly, I mean, it's the reinforcer, so it's very significant. Yes, we can deliver it quick and, and we can deliver it in close to our body and we can deliver it without giving much thought to what we want to set up next or we can be really mindful in how we present the food and we can use it to support the behaviors that we want. Yeah. It's, it's such a powerful tool and we want to get full value for the food that we're using as a reinforcer. So tell me about Bonanza and, and, and Woody. So, so that was Pico's day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And to, you know, to see how much we can influence horses because there's always that nature and nurture debate. I never would have thought that Pico could be like this. It was really a different horse, and I like this kind of horse personally. Yes. So it's it's quite powerful. Well, Bonanza is, yesterday they were all great. I mean, it was one of those days, blessed days. The three of them were just amazing. Yesterday there was no spook in Bonanza's life, and he's actually having, it's this time of year where they can easily get swollen eye, you know, from the flies. And I've been working with them on cleaning up the corner of their eye for since the beginning of the summer because I wanted to see if this would make it because this now here anyway in Quebec is the time when they start getting eye problem. It's end of August, beginning of September. So I thought as soon as I see something in the corner of their eye, I'm going to use like a sterile solution with a, with gauze and I'm going to clean their eye and I'm going to get them used to playing, rubbing their eye and cleaning up. And so I've been doing this all summer and they actually like it now. They will come to the gauze and so it's perfect because you do all this husbandry when the eye is not hurting. So yesterday for the first time, and he's always been extremely prone to this. So sure enough, the groom called me and she said, Bonanza has a swollen eye. And I wasn't worried because I knew it would be easy for her to tend to his eye, even if I wasn't there, because I've done all this exercise and she knows the basis of clicker training. So it was easy. It went well. And when I arrived later in the day, you know how I told you in previous podcasts how the, I thought there was a point where I thought the arena was poisoned for him and he was very spooky in the arena and the mirrors would spook him. Yesterday, we, I felt it was time because I've been doing all these exercises in between, you know, when you say train where you can, not where you cannot. Right. And, and I've been starting to go back into the arena lately small trips in and out not at liberty because i didn't want him to go and start i don't know telling himself stories and yesterday we went in it wasn't too hot there was no one it was calm in the barn and i unclipped him and we did a little bit of liberty work and we went everywhere in front of the mirrors and he was super calm the whole time wow excellent so it was it was really good and with Woody, you know, there's something that Jesus said in our last webinar with him, which I thought was so amazing. He talked about what he called one trial quitters. Oh, yes. And so he said, you know, these horses where you don't reinforce one behavior and the horse says, see you later, bye. 
And Woody has been like that sometimes, you know, when I start to Let me to interrupt for a second. So we should say that the explanation Jesus gave... Yeah, I'm coming, but I want oh, to come okay. to that. Sorry. I just want to okay. explain first what, what he meant by okay. a one-trial quitter. Okay. Because the context is when you're trying to raise criteria and the animal is used to being reinforced for the level of criteria you had before... And now you're withholding your click so that you can raise criteria and you lose the animal. And what he explained was that what they have learned is that the absence or the slowing down of reinforcers signals to them that more extinction is coming. Yes. And for someone who doesn't know what extinction is, it's when you have a behavior that has been reinforced in the past and then all of a sudden this behavior is not reinforced anymore and there's nothing in the environment to let you know that there's a difference between before and now so this is how you get rid of behaviors you just stop reinforcing them and usually there's a period of frustration before the uh, behavior is actually gone. So the typical example, of course, is the Coke machine. You've put a dollar and you've always had a Coke and all of a sudden it's not giving you a Coke. So you get really frustrated. You push the button five times, you shake it, some people kick in it, and then they go away because the behavior has been extinguished. And Woody has been like that where when I wanted to start building more complex behaviors, he would quit sometimes. And in my head, I used to think, oh, he's, he's really sensitive. He wants to have the right answer. But when Jesus said that, he has learned that the absence of reinforcer on that trial signaled that more extension is coming up. And the other thing he said too, which I thought was really neat, because we always think of behavior as like a line, antecedent behavior consequence. Right. And we've been talking about loops for quite some time now that it's not just like one segment, it's a loop antecedent behavior consequence, antecedent behavior consequence. And so one of the things he said, he said, your rate of reinforcement or the slowing down of your rate of reinforcement become parts of the antecedent yes. for the next cycle. Right. And I thought, wow. <laughs> and what he suggests to us is that if we don't want to go through this, we should signal, make a little change when we raise criteria to signal to the animal that they need to change something because now it's different. I've been working on that, trying to see how I can change things. And I've been in your loopy training DVD. There's a part where you talk about this and I find it quite I mean, you know how I keep coming back to this DVD, yes, but there's yes. so much in there. There's a whole part where you explain that you build patterns and then you change patterns and you explain very gradually to the horse that the patterns will change, that rules can change without the horse getting frustrated. I don't know if you can talk about that a little bit, because I think that's really important when we want to start building more complex behavior without creating frustration in our animals. As usual, Dominique and I were having one of our long conversations, but this seems like a good stopping place. 
don't worry. In our next podcast, we'll finish the conversation. We'll pick up where we are leaving off here with a discussion of patterns. That will take us to the micro-shaping strategy, to techniques for building duration, and to an interesting question of what do you do when your animal says, no, I don't want to. Before we leave you, we want to remind you that we have a webinar with Dr. Susan Friedman on September 29th at 1.30 Eastern Time. To register, go to equosity.com and scroll down to the webinar section. If you can't make it to the live webinar, we will be recording the session so you can listen to it afterwards. We offer an early bird price for everyone who registers before the event. Here's the description we wrote for the webinar. We gave it the title, What Would Susan Do? That's a great title for a webinar with Susan. And here's what we mean by that. Everyone who has met Dr. Susan Friedman knows what we mean when we ask this question. What would Susan do? We have all seen her in action and been in awe of the masterful way she handles what can sometimes be very difficult situations. There are many people who have an academic understanding of behavioral analysis, but not so many who are able to apply it so effectively, consistently, and positively to both people and animals. When you meet with Susan, you get to see the concepts applied to real-world situations. What would Susan do? And what would the rest of us have done without her good modeling? Susan helps us to understand the value of behavioral analysis. Why do we behave the way that we do? What is the cultural fog that keeps us from seeing effective solutions? How might we nudge the learner along to create a different and more desirable outcome? That's what Susan helps us to understand, both academically and through real-world modeling of great training skills. We always value the time we get to spend with Susan. Always we see modeled positive, effective, and kind behavior interventions. It is one thing to understand positive reinforcement training. It is another to live it. Susan is a master at demystifying behavioral analysis. Through her online course, Living and Learning with Animals for Professionals, her many conference appearances, and her consulting work, she helps us understand the science behind good training. It is an honor that she is going to be our guest September 29th for an Equiosity webinar. So what would Susan do? Come join us September 29th at 1.30 Eastern Time for a lively webinar discussion and find out. Be part of the whole modeling process of learning how to be better reinforcement trainers. And if you missed any of our earlier webinars, you can still order them through the shopping cart on the website. And be sure to check out the members section of the site. I'll be adding some photos of Snickers the cow, and I'll also put up a few short clips of the goat videos. Again, you can find all of that at equiosity.com. And to gain access to the members section library, all you have to do is subscribe to the site. You'll see the form when you go to the website. So until next time, have fun with your training.